Amen. Amen. Thank you, Yvonne. Life sure goes much easier as a child of God when you're willing to humble your heart and yield to God's will, whether it makes sense to us or not. And uh, believe that God is holy and righteous, makes no mistakes, and uh, His way is the best way. Amen. All right, children, we'll dismiss you for Children's Church, all the children up through age eight. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, of course, you don't have to go. You're welcome to stay with your family, all the children up through age 8. And let's you and me begin by going back to the book of Proverbs. I say back to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. We've been sort of, in a few of our services on Sunday morning recently, uh, just picking out some different Proverbs, that uh, little golden nuggets of truth. And uh, let me share with you two Proverbs from the book of Proverbs, and then we're going to go uh, to the book of Second Kings and look at a very familiar Bible story that illustrates the truth that's found in uh, these particular verses in Proverbs. So if you have your Bible open to Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse, uh, uh, verse 34 with me, if you would, next to the last verse. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. Surely, now that's a word to chew on for a little bit. That I mean, boy, when God says something, that settles it, amen? I know sometimes we say God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that settles it for you as an individual, but if God said it, that settles it, amen? Proverbs, amen? Okay, now wake up. <laughs> Proverbs 3, verse 34, Surely he that is God scorneth the scorners. Wow, that's a thought, isn't it? <laughs> you scoff at God and get mad and bitter at God. Guess what? Guess who gets the last word? And by the way, even we as Christians, and we were just reminded in that song that uh, Yvonne sang, it's best just to let the Lord have his will and way and lift our hearts in praise and thanksgiving, even though we don't always understand. Amen. But here, of course, he's talking about the man in his pride and arrogancy, rebelling against God. Surely God scorneth the scorners, but this same God giveth grace unto who? The lowly. And so here you have as you find so often in the Bible, the contrast between the proud and the humble are a proud response versus a humble response with God. We believe that this, uh, at least two of the New Testament writers quoted from this Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verse 34. The Apostle James said, God resisteth the proud, which is an interpretation of what it means to scoff. Boy, I tell you what, you don't want to resist God. It's a dangerous thing to resist God and what the Holy Spirit of God seeks to do in our lives. And boy, it's a, it's a dangerous thing for God to resist you. But the Bible, James said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And the Apostle Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. He talked about that we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. For God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, let me show you another. And by the way, there are 
dozens of Proverbs that talk about the subject of pride in one form or another. But turn over to chapter 18, Proverbs chapter 18. Let's look at one more proverb before we go to 2 Kings. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12. Before destruction. Now that's certainly not what we want, is it? Proverbs 18 verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is... Somebody, what? Haughty, proud. And before honor... That's from God's perspective is what? Humility. Let me ask you a question. I was going to ask it later in the sermon, but go ahead and ask it now. I'm sure we've all said this many times or thought it. How many of you have ever even outwardly said something like this? I have never been more humiliated in all my life. Huh? Oh, yeah. How many of you ever felt, man, that is so humiliating. You know, there's another way you could say that. You could say this. My pride has never been more hurt in all my life. But that's harder to say, isn't it? I feel my pride is so hurt. Isn't it easier to say, I am so humiliated? Why is that? Because some of you right now are even wrestling with the fact that Wait a minute. He's saying if I feel humiliated, it's my pride that's been hurt. Some of you are not sure about that. You're so proud, right? But isn't that what it is? Some, you know, sometimes we, we, you say God sometimes humiliates us. No, he doesn't. God will bring things into our lives, allow us to get into situations where it's, God desi- it's God's desire to humble us. And bring us to the place where we're willing to submit to God. And bring our stubborn wheels in line. We, we can't do it. God's grace has to do it. But we are humiliated. God may put us into a position and our pride is hurt. And we are humiliated because our pride's hurt. Now you think about that. You don't have to agree with me. You can be wrong if you want to. But you go home, think about it. And so I challenge you the next time you're tempted to say, I felt so humiliated. I just, I mean, just say, you know, my, my pride was hurt. And see how much harder it is to say that. Or if you're like me, you'll probably go ahead and say, man, I, I was so humiliated. Wasn't that humiliating? And then maybe after you say that, the Holy Spirit will bring back the, remember what the pastor said? And you think about it. Well, why did I feel so humiliated? I was embarrassed. My even from a child right on up, right? The truth is my rotten, stinking pride was hurt. Uh, next Sunday, I've got a, I'm not going to share it with you today. I'll share it with you next Sunday. Next Sunday, many churches across our nation are having, I believe they're calling it uh, a, a call to fall. A call to fall. Now, that's not talking about failure. It's a call for God's people to fall on their knees and pray. And uh, it's our country needs revival. We quote Second Chronicles 7:14, "If my people and the first thing is if my people shall what? Humble themselves." And boy, we stumble right there, don't we? We stumble right there. 
You know, I remember as a child growing up, and, and we used to talk about the church altar and people getting on their knees and crying out to God. You know, we've lost a lot in my lifetime. Now, I know, I know, and, and I say that, well, you don't have to get down on your knees to pray, and you don't have to come to an altar and all that. You can, but, you know, the truth is, if we'll be honest with ourselves, a lot of it is just our rotten, stinking pride. It's our rotten, stinking pride. Now, I don't know any other way to say it, isn't it? It's humiliating. And, and next Sunday, many are challenged across America to say, hey, it's a call to fall. You know, God said, if my people will humble themselves, lose their old pride and cry out to God. And, and, I'll, and, 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 and sometimes getting on your knees or just coming to an old altar and, and think, especially in public, it, it, it's an outward show of, of the fact that we're willing to just acknowledge that old rotten, stinking pride. And we're not worried about what people think and, and all that. We're just, we're trying, oh, God resisteth the proud but he gives grace to those who are brokenhearted, contrition, and mean that. Amen? So think about that this week, and we'll talk more about that next Sunday. But I want you to turn with me now to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. And here's a very familiar story of a man by the name of Naaman. 2 Kings chapter 5. The story of Naaman, who was a leper. And leprosy in the Bible is, is many times used as a picture of sin. It may be an unsaved person that needs to get saved, or it may be a Christian who has sin in his or her life and so forth. And here's a wonderful story of how God, uh, how a man can respond in pride or he can respond in humility and he can be resisted by God or he can be, uh, if he's lost, he can be saved or she can be saved. Or as a child of God, we can miss out on God's blessings or we can receive God's blessings depending on our response, whether it's in pride or humility. And we just read a couple of Proverbs, and my goodness, there are so many others that in all through the Bible, God resisteth pride. And by the way, I mentioned in Sunday school, pride is, seems to be, as we would say, the root of all sin. Satan, Lucifer, that wonderful, beautiful, intelligent, created creature of God was lifted up with pride and he became Satan. By the way, do you still believe in a real Satan and devil? And Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were tempted with uh, pride. The first two children born into this world, one murdered his brother because his pride, he was wounded, his pride was hurt. And he was even mad at God and God said, there's still room for you to come and get right with me. And whether it's toward God or our fellow men, and all through human history, well, we all, and even to this day, the best of God's children, we deal, still deal with our pride, don't we? Now, we find a story here that if you're not familiar with it, and, and, and this is true of many stories in the Bible, when you read it, it almost seems like a fairy tale. It almost seems like a fable or something. <clears throat> but these aren't just fairy tales and fables. It's unfortunate the world has come along with so many fairy tales and fables and many just believe that's what these stories are in the Bible. <clears throat> but for lack of time, I'll just mention it. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ reminds us, he refers to this story in one verse. He mentions Naaman, that leper that was healed. And by the way, he uses it as a rebuke to the religious people and Pharisees in the synagogue at Jerusalem. And when he tells them that, remember, he mentions the Naaman and how that Naaman was willing to humble his heart and get God's blessings, 
He said, you're so proud you won't do it. And you know what? They responded to Jesus, can you imagine that, in such anger and wrath and pride that they took Jesus out and sought to throw him over a hill, a cliff, and kill him. By the way, that's where, that shows you the depravity of man. And the sin. Can you imagine being so angry with Jesus that you wanted to take him out and toss him over a hill? And God, and of course, Jesus supernaturally got out of their way. You can read about that in Luke chapter 4, how angry man can be and how proud man can be. And so Jesus confirms that this is not a fairy tale we're reading here. It's a real story, okay? So let's read real quick. Are you with me in 2 Kings chapter 5? 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria. Now Syria is becoming a superpower of that day. Here's a man who heads up the whole military of the entire nation. Wow. That's some position. This fellow Naaman had a lot of things in this life that would naturally tempt, tempt you to be a very proud, arrogant person, right? And by the way, we all know many of you have been in the military and, and so forth, and some of you have held some very high offices in the military, and we know that military leaders cannot be timid and shy and indecisive, and even if there are moments in their life when they are, you're sure not going to know it, amen? And they come up, they're tough, you know, tough, mean machines, amen, and so forth. And here's Naaman, and look at this. He's the captain of the host of the king of Syria, And he was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now there's many things in that verse we could point out. He was a successful military leader. And and God, but the thing behind the scenes, it was God. It was God working that was allowing the Syrian armies to even have victory over the Israelis and take many of them captive. And so God was using them as a tool or an instrument in his hand to chasten or to judge the nation of Israel. Now, let's just assume for a moment Naaman wasn't aware of that. He thought, man, I'm the military leader and the king and and our nation's winning all these victories and and we've got a lot to be proud of and so forth. But what maybe he didn't realize was it was the God of Israel. It was the true and living God. And by the way, there's only one true and living God, amen. And by the way, any successes we've had in life, even even the the most, even the strongest atheist today, Whether he wants to acknowledge it or not, it's the God that gave him the mind he thinks with, the heart that's beating, the abilities and talents. It's God behind the scenes that in his mercy and grace is doing that, whether he wants to acknowledge it or not. Amen? We understand that. So let's look what happens. This guy's a leper. With all of his accomplishments and successes, he's a leper. And verse 2 says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. So in the midst of all these conflicts and as time went on, among all the captives and slaves that they had taken out of Israel, and we don't have time to get into a lot of it, God points out to us that among all of them there was one little maid. 
One young lady. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been that little young lady or maybe a young boy and I'd been taken captive, and here now I'm a, I'm, I'm a, uh, and maybe she was well taken care of, but now she's, she's maybe been separated from her family and she's a servant in Naaman, the military, military the leader of the nation's military, and she's a, a servant to his wife. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to be a little bitter toward that man. How about you? Huh? Matter of fact, I'd have a tendency to be a little bitter toward God for allowing all this to take place. Are you with me this morning? And look what she does. Look what she does in verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord, that is my Naaman, my master over me, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now, you know what? If she was responding in pride and hurt and bitterness, you know what she'd think to herself? I hope he dies of his leprosy. Amen? Pour it on him, God. I'm not saying anything. But you know what? Evidently, you can read between the lines, can't you? Can you imagine? She, she, evidently, and we don't know all the details how long this had gone on, but evidently, even, first of all, even in the life of this young maiden, she must have, God had done a work in her heart, and she humbled herself, and maybe to the point, and maybe I'm just speculating to the place where God, I don't understand all this, I don't understand all this hurt in my life, but God, you've allowed it, and I'm just going to submit to you, and God, I believe you can use it in my life, and, and here's... Here's Naaman, and by the way, you've placed me under his authority for the time being, and, and, and God, I, I know somebody that can help him. And I could be proud and mad and just, but you know what, I'm, I, I don't know what they'll do with the information, but I'm going to share it with them. Said so I know somebody that can, isn't that a beautiful picture, folks? Beautiful picture, isn't it? Well, let's keep reading. And verse 4, one went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And now we find the king. Now in verse 5 we're introduced to the king of Syria. And, uh, and he said, go to and I will send a letter of authority to the king of Israel. So here's one king sending a letter of authority to another king. Boy, don't these things just appeal to our flesh and pride. Man, I, I know the king. I've got letters of authority. And uh, verse 5 says, and he departed and took with him Ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And I'm not exactly sure all that adds up to, but it's more than in my checkbook right now, I'll tell you that. But now, isn't that a picture of the world we live in? Take these letters of authority. Take all these riches and see if you can buy the real blessings of life that we need you know the most important needs of our life can't be bought with all the wealth in the world can they are all the letters of authority of all the kings in authority and they're going to learn this very quickly and so verse 6 says and and they brought the letter to the king of israel saying now when this letter is coming to thee behold i have therewith sent naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him out of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes. But he's not renting his clothes because he's humbling himself before God. He's renting his clothes 
out of anger because his pride is wounded. Watch this. He rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Isn't that the world we live in? I think he's a little scared of the armies of Syria. They're conquering the world of that day in some and God's allowing it. And when he here the king of Assyria sends a letter to him and says, Hey, I'm expecting you to make sure my servant and and man their hearts must have been he was pretty dependent on him. He was leading the armies of his nation and said, I'm expecting you to heal this man of his leprosy. And the king of Israel responds in anger and pride. And he he says, this guy's just looking for an excuse to start another war with us. And he rents his clothes in anger and frustration. What does he think? I'm God? What do you expect me to do? You ever been there? Uh, Come on now. I'm not expecting an answer out loud. In your own life, have you ever been there where you just wanted to cry out to God? I'm not God. What am I supposed to do? God knows how to bring us to the place where we realize how dependent we are upon Him, doesn't He? Well, let's keep reading real quick. Look at verse uh, verse 8. And it was so when Elijah... Now, that's who they were told to go to, the prophet, not the president, right, folks? Now, the prophet here represents God. It's not that Elisha was so important. It was the God he represented. So there's the first mistake they made. They went to the White House instead of God's house, amen. They needed to go to God. Now watch this. In verse 8, And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of his own nation had rent his clothes, then he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. Now that sounds kind of cocky, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's not. If you understand the times, what, what, uh, what Elisha was saying was, here's an opportunity to prove to the Syrians that the God of Israel is the true and living God. Amen. Now you know what Elisha could have done? Elisha could have responded in pride. And said, well, a stupid president of ours. He doesn't have sense enough to know. I'm just going to let, I'm just going to let him get ulcers. Worry himself to death over what the king of Syria is going to do. But you know, Elisha was willing to humble his heart and take the initiative. To go to the leader and say, hey, you know what? I know somebody that can help us. God can help us. Bring that leper. Let's see what God can do in this situation. Now now hang with me for a minute. Now we get to the good part. Verse 9. So Naaman came. Here he comes, boy. What if the... What's what's the title of the guy in, in our nation right now that heads up all the military? What do we call him? Secretary of Defense. What if we said, man, the Secretary of Defense. By the way, we were talking, we had the privilege of meeting someone last week when we were on vacation. 
who was a was a crew chief on Air Force One at one time, and we were had some good conversations. He said, you know, one one morning I met Colin Powell. He had just got out of bed, and uh, and he said he, he uh, still I don't know if he had his pajamas on or what. Said his hair didn't combed his hair, and you know just breath stunk. You know, I mean just right out of bed. You know how to? And he said, you know, he said you these guys they're just people like us, just people, and and so forth and so on. And that's true, isn't it? But here comes Naaman, and watch what happens. I've got to get through real quick. And Naaman came, verse 9, with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Wow. Go dip in the muddy Jordan seven times, and God's going to heal you. Well, how's Naaman going to respond? Now, here's Naaman. All these things that could be said about him. Look at verse 11. But Naaman was what? Wroth, angry. You talking about having your pride wounded. You talking about saying, this is humiliating. Hmm? Who in the name of heaven does he think I am? Watch this. And went away and said, Behold, I thought. See, that's the problem he thought, didn't he? (laughs) He said, Surely this prophet or preacher, whatever he is, will come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord. We'll have some great religious service here. And he'll strike his hand over the place. And man, I'll be healed. And lightning will strike. And thunder will come. And and glory to angels will sing. And. After all, I'm Naaman, Secretary of Defense. Now, is that pride or not, folks? Huh? And he says, by the way, if I wanted to dip in a river, verse 12, are not Abana or Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? That sounds a little cocky too, doesn't it? And I, may I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a what? Rage. God wants me to wash in a river. I'm sure not going to go dip in the muddy Jordan. I'll go back to Syria and so forth and so on. Wow. But look what happens in verse 12, verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, They must have, by the way, fought together, bled together, cried together, laughed together. To approach him with this response, they must have had a pretty good relationship together. But look what these servants said in verse 13. My father or my master, if the prophet had bid thee to do some what? Great thing. Wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. You know what man loves? Is to be challenged to do something that appeals to his flesh and his pride and his ego. Give enough money to the church and you'll have your sins forgiven. You'll get to heaven one day. Get involved in enough church activities. Seek to live up to the Ten Commandments. Just do this, do that. Let someone beat you and give you so many lashes on your back with a whip. Climb up so many steps on your knees till 
blood's coming out. Just do something great or write a book that's, you know, just do something great, we, you know, that appeals to your flesh and pride. But when God comes along and says, just, just come with a repentant heart and trust the blood of Jesus, amen. Wash and be clean. You know a lot of people are going to die and go to hell because they're trying to do something that's great in the eyes of God. And they're not willing to just repent and be washed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. But you know what? Isn't it wonderful that these servants were willing to try to make a humble approach to Naaman and said, Naaman, Got your pride hurt, didn't you? If he'd asked you to do something great, man, you'd have. But won't you give it a shot? Ain't going to hurt you any. Might make you muddy and dirty. So you know the rest of the story. Verse 14. Then he went down. And by the way, if we can apply that spiritually, that's the way to go. You lift yourself up, God will bring you down. You put yourself down, God will bring you up. Amen. Verse 14, then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Why seven times? I have no idea. I know in my life why it'd be seven times. This is stupid. I've done come out here and humiliating myself and dip down in this dirty Jordan River. Do it again, Frank. Done done it three times now. Nothing's happened. Four times, five times, six times. I know we say the Bible word seven means completion and perfection. Sometimes God has to put you in a situation where you're humiliated more than one time to bring us to the end of our sin. Matter of fact, I'm finding out it's all it's your whole life long, amen. God has to keep clipping our tail feathers, doesn't he? Isn't that true? Isn't it good to have a heavenly Father that loves us that much? But I, I really don't know why seven times, and, and but he dipped seven times, and guess what? God kept his word, and he's healed. And you know what? Naaman is a busy man. And he just goes back home to the king of Syria and forgets all about Elijah and Jehovah God. Is that what happens? No. You know what, you know what Naaman does? I think we call it, he eats crow. Hmm? He humbles himself and he turns around in verse uh, 16, or verse 15. And he returned to the man of God. He and all his company, folk. Now that wasn't easy for that military man to do, that military leader. And he goes back. And he said, Behold, now I know that there's no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servants. And for lack of time, he offers him all this money and garments. And Elisha on that occasion says, No. No, we don't want anyone to think, You don't buy God's blessings. It's not for sale. God's grace is not. You don't earn it. You don't purchase it. It's a gift of free grace. And then Naaman did something so unusual. He said, you, do, you won't take anything out as a gift? No. Elisha said, no, no. Then Naaman said, well, could I ask you to give me something?
And now, can you imagine, Elisha, <laughs> what could I give you? And you can read the rest. And, and, and Naaman said, would you give me enough dirt that two mules can carry? Now, if I'd have been Elisha, I'd have been, I oh, don't know. I think this guy dipped one time too many in that water. <laughs> well, Naaman, you can have all the dirt you want. Why, why do you want him? And he said, I found the true God. And when I get back to Syria, I'm under authority. And I've got to obey the king to a point. And he'll go into the house of his idol and worship. And I'll have to go in with him. But will your Jehovah God know when I bow with him, my heart's not in it. I'm going to yield to my authority to a point. But I'm not worshiping that idol. But I'd like to take... You know, I'm not sure he had to do it, but in his mind he had to do it this way. I'd like to take enough dirt out of Israel over here back to Syria and I'm going to build me an altar. And I'm going to worship Jehovah God from that altar. Now, you know what? Sometimes we, we think we have to do foolish things, but aren't you glad God understands? You know, you don't have to be sitting on these pews today to worship God, but it's a good place to be, isn't it? You see? And you know what? There's the evidence that this man got something real, didn't it? He got something real. And you know what? He could have he just kept going off in his pride and rage, died and gone to hell, as we'd say in our New Testament terminology. But he humbled his heart, and as we would say, he came to Jesus. A lot of people will die and go to hell because their pride, their rotten, stinking pride will just not allow them to acknowledge their sin and wash in the blood of Jesus and be saved. Amen. I hope that's not true of you. And a lot of us Christians in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, in all of our relationships suffer a lot of unnecessary heartache. Only because of our rotten, stinking pride. To say I'm sorry, to ask for forgiveness, to offer forgiveness, or to even by the grace of God be willing to forgive ourselves when God says you're forgiven, amen. That's God's grace and mercy, isn't it? Are you with me this morning? And a lot of times it's just good to stop and say, you know what, is this just my rotten, stinking pride that's in the way? God, help me. Help me to have victory over that root of all sin and just yield myself, O oh God, to you and your will and your plans. Let's pray together. Father, speak to our hearts today, O oh God. I, you know what I need in my life. You know what our children, our teenagers, you know what, God, you know each one of us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, we're just like Naaman. We're just like the little maid. We're just like the servants and even Elisha. And God, we're all in different situations, different places in life. But God, you teach us and you humble our hearts and you remind us how dependent we are upon your grace and mercy. And God, I pray today that you'll just, may the Holy Spirit take the thrust of this message today 
that God in our pride and arrogancy and haughtiness, we just hurt ourselves and those around us. But when we're willing to humble our heart and cry out to you in humble faith and believing, God, you've promised to bless and honor your word. So may the Holy Spirit give us all wisdom to take it and apply it to our lives. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand with me quickly? And I just want to give a quick invitation and challenge you in your heart right now to respond to God's truth. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, would you please come to Jesus? You say, well, I'm not sure whether I'm saved or not. While the pianist is playing softly, listen, get that thing settled. You say, well... I don't know what people will think of me. That's pride. Oh, listen, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Your your soul, where you're going to spend eternity is more important than anything on this planet today. Come to Jesus. If you have a question, let someone pray with you and help you. Dear child of God, if and if you're in a situation right now and you're you're troubled, you're it may be family, it may be work, it may be, and on and on we could go. The challenge today is just check your heart and say, is it my pride? Is God just trying to teach me? And Do I just need to come to Jesus and wash and be clean? And just one more time, eat crow, as we say, and just let God have his will and way. In the end, it'll be worth it all, won't it? It'll be worth it all. Father, speak to our hearts today. Use your word. When I ask the pianist to finish this verse, just make decisions in your heart and life that count for eternity. And may God deliver us from this destructive sin of pride. May God help our nation. May God help our nation fall on its knees before God and humbly cry out for His mercy and His goodness. I surrender all. That's humility. Is just saying, God, Thy will be done. I surrender all. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Thank you for being here. If we can help you in any way at all, please let us know. Be sure, and and uh, someone said, I, I, I won't do it. Someone said, won't you get Mike and Jessica to just stand up front and everybody go by, but I know they've got the children, but be sure and let Mike and Jessica. Are y'all going to be able to be back tonight? I'm not, I wouldn't dare put you on the spot, Mike. Or anything. I know y'all got things going on this evening and all, but uh, this may be the last service they'll be here. Let them know and uh, that you're praying for them and all. And uh, be back tonight for our 6 o'clock service and our congregational meeting. Amen. Good day. God bless you. If we can help you at all, please let us know.